Thank you. Um, gosh, thanks, Sherry. And ladies and guys, that was, uh, that's terrific. That's some, some great stuff there. And what matters most? What a great song. Uh, we're going to talk about that right now. What matters most? We are in number eight, I believe, of our series on intentional living. And uh, getting intentional about this thing. Yeah, kids, you may leave. I'm sorry, I didn't mention that. Thanks for reminding me. Um, intentional living. What matters most? Intentional about priorities. This is really, we could spend a couple of years talking about this, and, um, and I say that being where I am in life and, and season of life and so forth, these are some really huge things. I want to get you kind of thinking along these lines with me, intentional about priorities, or how do, my, how do my personal priorities affect others? They do. And I want to take you to a couple of places in the Bible that just talk as clearly as, they, as you can about priorities. But first, I thought what we need to do is this. Um, we need to talk about maybe some signs, just to kind of get you thinking here, maybe some, some, some possible signs that maybe, not necessarily for sure, but maybe my priorities might be a little misplaced. What are some signs maybe that my priorities might be misplaced? Let's just think along those lines. Maybe, maybe the first one might be that um, when you're in the hospital and watching all my children in a soap opera, you think your family has come to visit you. Maybe that would be a good sign that maybe your priorities are just a little misplaced. How about this one? You get your news from the National Enquirer or its cousin, the New York Times. Maybe you might have some misplaced priorities. I just had to throw that, that parenthesis in there. I'm sorry. Um, how about this one? You know the colleges, hometowns, family members, and so forth of the players of your favorite sports team. Maybe you have your priorities just a little misplaced, okay? Unless that sports team happens to be, you know, a family member or something. Um, number four, you know to whom and how many times J-Lo has been married or engaged. <laughs> maybe you just, you know, maybe. Not necessarily. I'm making a judgment here. Or how about this one? You, take, you knock off at five and you think you worked a half day. Do you ever feel that way? Ooh, we say, ooh, the laughter quit. Uh-huh. <laughs> I felt that way. I'll be honest. I've, Charlie said, we gotta, we gotta, you got to leave at five. got to go somewhere. I'm thinking, knocking off at five? What do you think is this, a holiday? And, of course, there's always sort of that pause at the other end of the phone. And, you know, whoops, be right there, honey. Okay. Um, uh, number six. Here you go, guys. Your idea of a date night with your wife is skimpy lingerie, a bedside tray of hot wings, a six-pack, and Yankees on TV. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I had to... That was a lot worse than that. Charlene cleaned that one up for me. I just want you to know that. <laughs> the censor, that's my wife. The censor, the censor kind of enacted her veto power on a few things on this one, but that's the best I could come up with. All right. Number seven. You spend more money on physical enhancements than on mental enhancements. Just think about that. You know, one of the things this doesn't say, and I'm glad you didn't say it, Sherry, when you're talking about plastic surgery. It's real easy to criticize plastic surgery when you're 30 freaking years old or however old you are. But, but uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry. There's a little bitterness in my voice when I said that. No, that says freaking. No, he doesn't. <laughs> She's from Tennessee. She's from Tennessee, folks. It wouldn't pass muster there. But anyway, um, one, one of the things, I'm glad you didn't say this about plastic surgery, is after you hit 50, every time something comes on TV about laser surgery, or pla you're like, hmm, hmm, 
Maybe. <laughs> You'll learn someday. But anyway, um, how about this one, guy? You named your kids after key clients. Maybe that shows you've got just a little bit of a priority problem. Or as my friend says, if your kids named Morgan and Stanley, you might have a problem. All right? Just think about that one. Uh, number nine, your idea of spending time with your children is watching them play with binoculars. Maybe you got a little problem there. And number ten, all right, guys, your idea of a heart-to-heart chat is talking at a cell phone while sitting between two colleagues in the middle of negotiating a deal. I mean, we need to have a heart-to-heart talk. Those are humorous and intended to be that way and not meant to judge or anything else, although all of us probably can relate to some different things in there. But I really want you to think for a moment about this whole issue of priorities. And I want to take you to a couple of thoughts, and then we're going to get into these things. The first little quote that I have for you, which I really like a lot, set priorities for your goals. A major part of successful living lies in the ability to put first things first. Indeed, the reason most major goals are not achieved is that we spend our time doing second things first. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. That's a, that's a great thought. I've got to get a Pascal quote. I just, I love this, this guy. He's just so good. Clarity of mind means clarity of passion. This is why a great and clear mind loves ardently and seeks distinctly what it loves. And that's what we were, we were singing about and listening to be, focusing on, on what's really important. And, and I believe God and Christ. I want to take you to a couple of different thoughts um, to get what I call get your head straight on priorities and keep them straight because, you know, you get your head straight on priorities and I don't care who you are, sometimes you waver. Sometimes you kind of get off base a little bit here and there. It happens to the best of us. So it's, it's, it's some thoughts to both get our head straight and to keep our head straight on priorities. And that's kind of what we're talking about here. And I want to get those, get those shown to you here. And the first thing is this, all right? Um, Life's priorities are clear. And I've got a verse for you, a couple of verses for you. You've maybe heard of it before. Life's priorities are clear. Number one, Matthew 22, 34. When Pharisees heard that he had silenced, speaking of Jesus, the Sadducees, with his reply, they thought of a fresh question of their own to ask him. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the other commandments and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Boy, how much more clear do we need it? It's right there for us. And not only that, but it's in red. You know what I mean? Jesus said it. It's in the red letter part of the Bible. Those of you who don't, those of you who don't know me know that I sometimes get a little irritated with red letter Bibles because that implies that the red letter is more important than the black letters. And of course, it's all the Bible and it's all important. But these are the words of Jesus. And, uh, that's pretty powerful words. This is the first and greatest commandment. One quick note here, and I want to show you something, and that is, even inside of these priorities, there are priorities. Let me show you a verse real quick from, uh, I'm just going to just a side note. First Timothy chapter 5. For those who won't care for their own relatives, especially those living in the same household, have denied what we believe, the faith. Such people are worse than un- unbelievers. 
So when he talks about loving your neighbor as yourself, here's the point, just a little, just a little side note that I want you to think about. I know one neighbor that I'm always got to be concerned about. That would be the person or persons whom I live with, my wife or husband, depending on the situation, and children. So my point in this whole thing is that when we talk about loving your neighbor as yourself, that begins at home. And that's what Paul later on tells us there in that Timothy passage. That begins there. That's our first priority among these priorities. That begins at home. And that's why the Bible puts down some very clear guidelines that if your home is not in order, you're not supposed to be a leader in the church. When you read 1 Timothy chapter 3, doesn't mean you won't have issues, doesn't mean you won't have problems, doesn't mean you won't have to deal with certain things you do. That's part of life. But God, God considers that a big deal, how you treat people, and particularly those that you live with. So that's just a little sidelight. Now let's go back to the other part, because when we, re- we really see this, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. Let's just go back to that verse, we would. Because I think that's an important issue. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Now what does that mean? What does that mean? I mean, this is really, this, we, we, if you've been around church or Christians, or anybody like that very much, you maybe have heard that, or heard some variation of that, or some different translation maybe of that. Love God, love people, so forth. And I really wanted to just take just a couple of minutes and, and talk about these these very important priorities, because it's very clear, the Bible makes it very clear for us. What does it mean to love the Lord your God? We could go on and on and on about that, but one thing I'll say, it, we're focused on Him. We're focused on God. We're focused on him. We have a desire to be like him. Think about it this way. And keep in mind this. Any time you use an illustration or an application on these kind of things, somewhere down the road they're going to fall down. We know that, so don't take this too far. But I, just think about this. If you really see someone or get to know someone, whether it be personal or from a distance that you really love, you kind of, if not want to be like them, you want to take on some of their characteristics. Don't you? And that's the point here. I remember, I was just reminded of this, and I actually had forgotten about this. When I was a little boy, a while back, um, Ronald Reagan was, you know, an actor. Just kind of give you some sense of history for what we've been through this week from that great president of ours. Who, and I say that uh, with all seriousness. Um, but when I was a little boy, my hero and the guy that I loved... Now, this is going to be a new name for a lot of you. Uh, it was Roy Rogers, King of the Cowboys. Now, those of you who have never been outside of New Jersey, I just want you to know something. Roy Rogers is not some pathetic, ridiculous, horrible restaurant alongside the New Jersey Turnpike. That thing is a desecration to the name of Roy Rogers, where you get that food that will give you, it'll just rot you out before you get down to the next exit. All right, that's not Roy Rogers, okay? I don't know what that is. That's Tomain Castle or something. But, but, um, Roy Rogers was one of the great, he was the king of the cowboys. And he was great. And I'd watch in the late 50s. I mean, he was just so great. I mean, you'd watch him on TV and he'd make personal appearances. And he had his great horse, Trigger. His the golden pal. Why are you laughing at me, Julie? Um, she, she doesn't. These are all new terms to her. Bless her heart. It's culture shock for her. Hang in there. Um, <laughs> Trigger was his horse, and I loved Roy Rogers. You're going to laugh, but we, I had Roy Rogers' guns. Can I say that in this crowd? I, um, that was back in the days before we, when we allowed to have toy guns and stuff like that. 
I haven't killed anybody yet, so I guess it didn't hurt me too bad. But but we had, I had Roy Rogers guns, I had Roy Rogers hats, I had Roy Rogers clothes. And because we lived on a farm, this is going to sound a little extreme, I was even able, by my dad's good graces, to, to buy a golden Palomino. I had a horse. I had a horse, and his name wasn't Trigger, his name was Twilight. Started with a T. And, um, and uh, I mean, I just love this man. I wanted to be like Roy Rogers. I looked like him. I had a golden Palomino. I had a great horse. I was just, I was rocking and rolling. I mean, this was really cool stuff for me because I loved Roy. And, and I watched, I, I mean, I'll just be real transparent. I watched his biography not too long ago on A&E. I had tears in my eyes watching this thing. Talk about misplaced priority. Anyway, um, now I tell you all that. And that's not a joke. I mean, that's all that's serious. But I tell you all that because I want to just give you a very minor understanding in that way of why, why I believe Jesus said, you must love the Lord your God. We're to be like him. Later on, the Apostle Paul in, in Ephesians chapter 5 says, be like your heavenly father. Love like your heavenly father. Forgive like him. So when we talk about loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, we're talking about, I want to focus on God, I want to focus on His grace, I want to be like that. I want to be a person who loves like that. Can I always love like God? No, I'm a human being, I'm a fallen creature, for goodness sakes. But I can certainly shine with with God's love through me, and I'm, and I'm I'm asked to do that in the Bible. So when we talk about loving the Lord God with all your, your heart, soul, and mind, we're talking about loving like God loves, having mercy like God has mercy, having forgiveness like God has forgiveness that, that we heard sung about so beautifully a little bit ago. That's, what, that's why this is whole thing. So when we talk about this, this thing that sometimes becomes sort of a ambiguous, uh, love God, what does that mean? It means focus on who God is and... and Try to be like him. Isn't it amazing? You ever know a couple who've been married years and years and years and years and years? And they love each other, which that's maybe an oxymoron, but it's not always. Uh, I mean, they've been married. I'm teasing. They've been married long, long time. And then you find that they have some of the same qualities in each other. And part of that is because if you love each other, thank God that some of the things that the woman that I love, some of her qualities, believe it or not, have eked over into my life. She have seen me before 30 years ago. Good gracious. You know, um, I'm, I'm serious. And, and maybe, maybe some of those very few redeeming qualities of my life have, have eked over into her life. Because you love each other. You go, hey, I like the way he does. I like the way she does that. Again, take that to another level with God. Love God. One of the things, one of the ways I often describe the Renaissance, and I, every week, literally, I get this question. How do you start a church? In fact, I had this question just yesterday, and I told the person who asked me, I said, you know, in every other part of the country, new churches are actually, the only, according to all this, the numbers, are, are the only ones really growing, non-denominational, new-type churches. New, new, I'm talking about the last 20, 25, 30 years, or a little longer than that. And, of course, here, you know, if it started after 1800, it's looked at suspiciously because we're in the Northeast. And, um, and I mean, that's not far from being wrong. But I said, you know, one of the things about what we try to do at Renaissance, and I think any good church should do, and that is we just try to focus on the basics of loving God and loving people. Because that's what the Bible teaches. And I've yet to have any response other than, you know, that's really good. Because that's what we're supposed to be doing. It's very clear for us right here. 
thoughts to get your and keep your head straight on these priorities, life's priorities are very clear. Love God and love people. That's simple. That's what it says in the Greek. That's what it says in the Hebrew. That's what it says in the Aramaic. That's what it says in the English. Love God, love people. The second thing, which is very simple. By the way, before I go to the second thing, don't go there yet. Just leave it right there. Isn't that a freeing thing? So many times in churches we get so hung up on you got to do this and you got to do this and, 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 and we, we try to attribute certain things to the Bible that really aren't there. And yet, and Jesus never did that. Of all the answers that Jesus could have done, he said, well, you know, love God, love people and, and, and work hard in the church and, and do this and, and do that. He just said, hey, love God, love. And inside out, there's tremendous freedom. And I love that about a relationship with God. There's tremendous freedom. It is only we in the church, big C, capital C, that have tried to start putting all this kind of rules and regulations and all kinds of, excuse me, Sherry, all kinds of crap that we put on there. We can say that here, too. I couldn't do that in Tennessee. Um, I mean, we just put all kinds of stuff on that. And there's so much freedom when we understand Jesus' teaching about this thing. It's about the internal. Because Jesus knew something that some of us are learning. The internal will affect the external. Maybe not as quick as I would like it to, maybe not as quick as you would like it to, but the internal will always affect the external, always will. Second thing is a very simple thing. It'll take me a minute or two, and that is not only are life's priorities clear, your life's priorities are clear. Your life's priorities are clear. One verse, Matthew chapter 6, wherever your treasure is, there your heart and thoughts will be also. Let me just say this, one little statement or two about that. Your priorities are clear. They may not be clear to you, but they're clear from how you live your life, from what's important to you. Get with somebody who loves you and can speak truth to you and talk about that. Get alone, maybe just with God in you, and and just pray about that. Look at my life, and again, be careful with this. Don't say, well, I spend this many hours at work and this many hours at home. Therefore, work is more important to me. You can't do that. That's crazy. You got to work. You got to make a living, you know? So, but it, we're talking about the heart. We're talking about the attitude. Uh, again, if that's, that's something you're going to have to determine. And I, you know, I can help you, but it's got to come between you and God. Your priorities are clear. What are you focused on? What do you love? What drives you? Ask yourself some of those questions and get some people around you who can help you. It not just be one or two people, but who can help you determine that. Let me just jump into this. I want to give you my bottom line conclusions, what I call the takeout food for thought. All right? I want to just get you into this real quick. It's very, two things, very simple. Seek what's important. Seek what's important. You say, well, it's easy for you to say what's important. I don't know what's important for you. I know two things that are important for you. Love God, love people. I know that because Jesus said that. But I know there's something else you can do, and we have a little, a little bit about that. Let me show you this in James chapter 1. If you need wisdom, if you want to know what God wants you to do, ask him, and he will gladly tell you. He will not resent your asking, but when you ask him, be sure that you really expect him to answer. For a doubtful mind is, un, is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. People like that should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. <clears throat> they can make up their minds. They can waver back and forth in everything they do. Seek what's important. Ask God. Pray about that. 
I mean, just pray about it. Get along with God. Maybe just get along with somebody you love, your husband or your wife or close friend or, or someone. And, and just, you know, I need, I, need, I need to know what to do. I don't know what to do. And I, I get this as, as a pastor. I, often I have this in pastoral counseling. Somebody says, well, what should I do? And I just, I, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I say, I'll pray with you. And I'll show you what the Bible says. And you make that decision. I, I can't make that decision for you. I mean, if it's something immoral or illegal, I can tell you not to do that. But seek what's important. And, and you know what? God wants you to know and to do what's important in your life just as much as you want to know. So maybe you need to spend some time just, just being contemplative. You know? Catch that 7 o'clock train some morning out of Short Hills. There'll never be another quieter place, let me just tell you. I got on it not too long ago when I started talking and I was with my friend and he said, Shh! I said, what's the deal? He said, this is a quiet train. I said, I better get off in Newark then because I got trouble. <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> I am not exaggerating. Those of you who know that, know, have been on that, you know that. Seriously, get, find someplace quiet and just pray about it. And maybe you need to pray about it more than once. Maybe you need to pray about it for weeks. You say, ah. Not the American way. We want to know right now. I agree. Nobody's worse than me. But that's not always God's way. Seek what's important. Number two, bottom line conclusion, take out food for you. Take out food for thought. Examine and re-examine your heart. Examine and re-examine your heart. A prayer that I like to use, and you've heard me use this before, but let me just show it to you again. It's in Psalm 139, and it goes like this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. Don't be afraid just to word that prayer in your own words. God, I've said, God, search me and help me to know what's right. God, search my heart and help me to know what my motives are. Because I don't know. I get too convoluted sometimes. Search me, God, and know my heart. Mother Teresa, one of the last times, and many of you know I do a lot of things with the National Prayer Breakfast, and one of the last times that she was, the last time she was there before she went to be with the Lord, um, one of the congressmen asked her, what can we pray for you about? And her answer was just so good, and I've, I've thought about it so many times. She said, pray for me that my work among the poorest of the poor wouldn't come between me and my relationship with God. Have you ever thought about that? Good works can get in the way of your relationship with God. I know one pastor who that happened to. Good heart, good motivations, pretty good guy most of the time. But he let his work get between he and his relationship with God. And that's not a fun place to be. Because then God has to rattle some cages and get your attention. and Boy, that's never fun. But he will. And then you're thankful. And then you're thankful. Just a quick thought. I kind of put some people's thoughts together here. Beware of the tyranny of the urgent. It'll eat you up, waste your time, and keep you from the things that really matter, but may not appear to be so urgent. Things that really matter that may not appear to be so urgent. But they are. We need to stop. I want you to look at this. I want you to watch this. It's two minutes. 
it's a movie that I do recommend, and I don't often say that about certain movies, from The Emperor's Club. It's a great movie. And it talks about great ambition and conquest. Think about this, guys and ladies. Great ambition and conquest without contribution is without significance. I don't care what that conquest happens to be. Watch this, and then you'll see what I mean. What will your contribution be? Isn't that great? We had a great example of it this week with our former president. Most of us here probably won't be presidents, but we are making history. And we are, hopefully, making contributions. What will your, what will, how will history remember you? That comes back to priorities. Love God. Love people. I could deal with that on my gravestone. You love God and you love people. Let's pray together. Lord, our God, we are so thankful that we can come and, and, and find such, such profound truth from the Bible. And Lord, each one of us, we're coming from different walks of life. We're coming from different seasons of life. Got all kinds of different things going on in our lives. But Father, I pray that for these moments we would be able to focus on, on just, just that and, and what you want to do and can do in our lives and through our lives. Help us never to forget, Lord, we are, we are making history. It may be just the history of our family, maybe the history of our neighborhood, but we are making history. And what will that be? So, Father, I pray that we would each do some serious self-examination. And, Lord God, I would ask you, for some of us here, it's going to begin with us saying, Lord, I want my life to count, and that starts in a relationship with you. And I want to start, I want to start back at square one. I want to start right there and say, Lord, right here, right now, I want to trust in Jesus who came and, and died on the cross and went to the grave and rose again to give me new life, eternal and abundant life. I want to start right there and give my life to you. And you can do that right where you're sitting. Some of us, Lord, have already done that. And we still want our lives to have significance. And we want our priorities to be right. And we pray that by the power of God who lives in us, we would be people who indeed love you and love people. We commit these things to you now in Jesus' name. Amen.